0: Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I am Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, I want to be one of the first to wish you a happy Valentine's Day.
1: Okay, I'm happy Valentine's Day to you, Rick. I'm, I'm not sure I like where this is going. Paul, there's no one I'd rather be with right now. <laughs> yeah? Why? Because uh, you brought the wine, right? Uh, no, we're in our studio, Rick. But there's no corkage here. It's still a studio. All right,
0: that's a pretty good point, actually. But it is Valentine's Day, and lots of people will be bringing wine to that special dinner out. And we thought this is the perfect day to respond to a request we got from Judy Lang in Glendale,
1: who runs the website corkageonline.com. Mm-hmm. She asked us to talk about the merits of corkage. There are definitely merits to corkage, but you should probably explain what corkage is. Yes, Rick.
0: yes, and, and definitely we will. And and we are going to explain all this corkage uh, fundamentally. In case anybody does not know, is the if you bring your own bottle of wine in, what they to a restaurant to a restaurant what they Charge you to to, to basically serve or drink it
1: on the premises. Yes, you're yep. allowed.
0: Um, so uh, we we'll, we will talk more. Also today, we're going to talk. Have questions from uh, we have a question from Budapest from
1: Budapest, I'm, Hungary. We do yes Excellent. about blue
0: wine. Another one of our loyal listeners. Uh, other listeners about ask about wine thermometers. <laughs> Don't get me started. Okay. Uh, And what to do when the bar runs out of its advertised special wine. This is an interesting story, by the way, and I think it's a good question. Good. Plus, we fired up the Wayback Machine for some historic history about Valentine's Day. And, of course, you know what else we're going to do, Paul? We're going to make fun of wine snobs. Yes,
1: we will. Yes, we will.
0: So, by the way, here we are, yet still... Here it is, a day of love, and we are
1: on Cattle Public Radio, and they must love us, Paul. You know why? Because they've got us on their list of recommended podcasts right up there next to Terry Gross and Freakonomics and everything else. They yeah, do. yeah. It's either love or charity, one of those two. <laughs> Thank you, Capital Public Radio. Good luck to NPR for all of that, right? Yeah. Uh, we are also on Napa Broadcasting. Coming out of Napa Valley College, rated number one community college in the state of California, despite the fact that I teach there. Yeah, so... Apparently, everybody else here must be good. Yeah, the rest of the staff's amazing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Look for
0: us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is Rick at Rick and Owen. Go there, ask us a question. All these other people are. We got them from Budapest. Is What's stopping you? That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's really dumb. I feel like now in the old time, I'm your car here. I, got, yeah. I get the question from what? Budapest. Uh, yes, all right. <laughs> and a reminder: seriously, come. Uh, we are going to be in, in Vancouver International Wine Festival. Come say hi. Come say hi. Yeah, yeah. that's February twenty third to March third. Yeah, uh, right.
1: Vancouver, fabulous city, wonderful food, wonderful wines. Yep. Unfortunately, Rick will be there, but you can avoid him. Come, come see us. All right. So let's get back to our new friend Judy Lang in Glendale. She runs a website
0: called Corkage Online, and it lists corkage policy for more than five thousand restaurants across the country, which is yeah. a pretty good thing because yeah. that is a hard thing to find. You know, I, I mean, I know I've been that way, and I know you probably have too. Where I want to bring something, and I go online, and you can't find it.
1: You can't find out what's going on. You got to, yeah. you got to call them and ask. Yeah. So
0: she says. Wonder if you might be interested in discussing the merits of Corkage. Corkage, now this is, she obviously has an interest in this because she likes the idea. Yes. She says Corkage is a great way for collectors and diners to take wine from their allocations with a great
1: meal out or for wineries to promote their wines beyond just drinking them at home. Right. So right. So corkage, simple concept, which is you've got a special bottle you want to bring it into the restaurant, and instead of ordering something off the wine list, you say, "Look, I've got this special bottle of Rick's homemade dandelion wine." That and that's I would good like, stuff, by the way. <laughs> that yeah. I would like to drink with my dinner. Is that okay? And usually, the restaurant, depending on the market, depending on where you live and everything else, will say yes. But of course, you're going to use our glasses. We're going to open it and all the rest. So we're going to charge you a fee. Could be ten bucks. Could be. I know some restaurants that are charging fifty bucks for that. Yep. So that's corkage.
0: And, and some restaurants do it to encourage you to bring in wine. Yeah. You know, and some uh, your own wine. And some do it right. to, to discourage
1: you because they right. want you wine off the list. You know. And, and, and there's a there's a th- Third category here, Rick, which is there are some restaurants who own a retail wine shop nearby. Yeah, one right next to my house. It's absolutely yeah. magic. You walk in, you can pick anything out of the retail shop, and for I think it's an extra twelve bucks, they'll open it and pour it to you for dinner. Yeah,
0: you know, and lots of people are offended by it, but it seems reasonable to so us, and we're going to explain why and some of it has to do with the cost. But you know, think about it in another way: is
1: you can't bring in your own steak. Right. Although, if you are a fisherman in a fishing lodge. You could you and, often are allowed to bring in a fish that you caught and they will cook they, it for cook you. They'll cook
0: for you, but they're going to charge you something. It's not well, going to be for yeah. free. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's a, that's the point is that, you
1: know, it's still it's still some work going so on. So Judy had this group of restaurant people together and ask them this question, yeah. right? It's a seminar, and she took some
0: some big-name folk down in L.A., and, and yeah. they had a seminar at the L.A. Times Food Bowl,
1: yeah. which is, you know, those big festival event kinds of things where they're talking about stuff, and... Um, and and to be fair, these were some of my favorite people in the restaurant yeah, uh, business. Yes. These were really good people. These
0: are really good people, and... and, and um, one of one of, uh, of L.A.'s top wine restaurants, yeah, which we are not going to name because uh, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to get sued, yeah. but we think the guy's really cool. Yeah, so we could probably
1: have named him, but too yeah. late now. Too yeah, m- see. If other yeah. people wouldn't sue us, we could. But, you know. but the questions were all yeah. that they, they were responding to. Why are you charging corkage? Why don't you right. just let us drink whatever yes. we want? Yes,
0: and tell us tell us about it. And and they also they also asked them to talk about it. And I think there's some some of the takeaways they had. Tell us a few things. Um, right. So one of the things that they said was, and this is absolutely fair. People simply do not consider the cost to restaurants of glassware, proper wine service, and the loss of revenue when not buying from the restaurant's wine list. Right. Let me go sideways on. That. That and then you talk about the rest of it. But, the, you know, okay. one of the things that as a food writer for years and years, I used to try to explain, was especially for the more expensive the restaurant, the lower the margin on food. Right. You know, uh, and so right. and it, it could be as low as one percent. They make it up at the bar. They make it up with with spirits and and with beer and wine. And and that is fundamentally the name of the game. And so, you know, coming in to eat, it's a deal. You're welcome. You go and not drink any wine. That's fine. But if you are going to drink wine, it's something you would have bought there. The feeling is you should at least have to help. Keep the restaurant
1: afloat. Keep the restaurant afloat. Now, I I live in a very special part of the world because I live in Napa. And so many of the customers in our local restaurants are winemakers. And so often those winemakers are there because some important journalist or distributor, somebody else is in town. And they want, you know, they bring in six bottles of their most recent releases and want to pour them all at the table. So the corkage situation in Napa is very different. From the rest of the world. Most restaurants in Napa have a very reasonable corkage. I've been in other parts of the world where it's not quite so reasonable. Right.
0: All right. And I've talked to restaurateurs on both ends of this, some that have right. really reasonable prices, and they, so they have a really high corkage because they are taking a lower hit. And yep. others others that would like—they want they want to get you in the door, but they can't afford to feed you for 1%. So, right. Yeah. And
1: one of my favorite restaurants in Napa since closed, not because of this, but their corkage policy was, I think, 10 or $15 a no. bottle yeah. donated to the SPCA. Nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've seen that sort of thing, actually. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All
1: right. Another thing they said is when considering for corkage-free,
0: restaurants have to consider that are different costs associated with different wines. In other words, they sort of amortize across all that they're going to sell, like something between a humble vino, as she says, and a case of vintage Bordeaux. So what they do is they, right. they they average out what they think the average customer might f- spend and then generally go down. I mean, this corkage mm-hmm. fee is generally
1: lower than buying a bottle of wine. Yeah, uh, yeah. and in fact, yeah. many restaurants will say if you buy a bottle off the list, We'll, free. we'll comp the corkage. Yeah, very on the, common, very yeah. common, right? Yep.
0: Um This is them talking now. Customers feel entitled. Uh, feel entitled. So as a result, corkage has devolved into diners taking advantage of restaurants by complaining,
1: arguing, and being rude. Yeah, that's that, LA for you. That's a that person is tired of being in the restaurant yeah. business. That yeah, 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 yeah. You got but, that, so but that's right. I do understand what they mean. That somebody comes in and they want. They want the scampi, but they want it with calamari, not with scampi. And they want the Caesar salad, but the Caesar salad they want to have. You remember the scampi that they didn't want on the <laughs> scampi? They want that scampi on the Caesar salad. Uh, uh, and then they brought this bottle of wine that happens to be on the list anyway, but they want yeah. to drink it. Because uh, people, uh, if you, if there are that many things wrong with the restaurant you're in, you should find else, yeah. a place that's closer to what you like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. and. Yeah. It's you're buying a service as a restaurant, but you're it's also a bit of a social contract, you know. So there's a little of that going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um and and another point that came up with is no deny, this is them talking, no denying some dyers want more for the least. Anything to avoid paying.
1: Right. Right. Well, and if that's the case don't go to an expensive restaurant. Right. If you want a cheap meal, go to a cheap restaurant. Yeah, but and don't go to an expensive restaurant and then decide that you're going to try to exploit every possible way you can to keep them from making any money. Because you know what? The next time you want to go back and celebrate your 25th anniversary, they're going to be closed because they didn't make any money. Right. Having said that, you know
0: you get um, uh, this. Uh, I mean, you get this feeling here that that some of the pros get tired of of, of having to deal with it. Um, But you don't have to be a professional to go to dinner. And, in fact, there's a joke um, in the restaurant industry about Valentine's Day where they call it amateur night.
1: Right. Because there's
0: lots of people that really don't go out that often. They don't know, quote, unquote, how they're supposed to be. I thought it was they meant
1: because they were referring to your dating technique. Well,
0: that's that's where it started.
1: It's the phrase is spread now. So. It's now in national yes. national usage. But yes. Uh, they, have, they found a
0: broader use, but that's pretty much that's why I ended up alone a lot on Valentine's Day. But that's another story. The uh, uh, But, you know, so if you don't know the rules of how to behave in a restaurant, that's fine. Just be civil. That's really all right. it is. Just right. be civil. And,
1: yeah. and you can ask any restaurant and they will tell you. So ask a restaurant what's your corkage policy. Yeah. What and and I, I have I have done every single thing. You know I have brought wines that I didn't know they had on the list, and I brought a wine that was on the mm-hmm. list. Um, I have brought a magnum, which is a double sized bottle. Let's get to that because that's okay. one of the standards. I think. Okay. But before you do that, one other thing about about sort of. Corkage
0: avoiding or not or whatever is, especially if you bring something interesting. Um, we have mentioned this before. Is that sometimes you know if you give your server or your psalm a taste of something interesting or even yes. offer
1: them, they yes. will cut down on or waive the corkage. You know, and so yeah.
0: sometimes that so, also ties
1: so, into if what you're bringing is special and interesting. If what you're bringing into the restaurant well, is a nine dollar bottle of talk about that you bought at the yeah, supermarket, let, let's
0: let's talk about that point in just a second. I'm they're sor- not going to be interested
1: in it. I'm sort of talking about your point. So let's be, about being
0: civil to the... Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about okay. that $9 in a second. Yep. Um Whereas, you know, it gets back to the notion of a social contract. You don't have to know anything about a restaurant. You don't have to know about anything about being a quote-unquote professional diner. You don't have to know about anything about anything, just be a nice person. Right. But if you're nice to them, they'll you often be nice right? back. I I keep thinking about it, but then, <laughs> you know, I, I just end up being me. All right. So so you had mentioned Magnum, so I wanted to talk about that first because yeah. this is them talking again. This is what right. the, the pros said, which is a Magnum is not a standard ball of wine, so customers should be prepared for charge
1: corkage for two bottles. And they they yeah. them saying everybody yeah. loves
0: a discount, and
1: uh, I've brought magnums to restaurants yeah. when when we were having you know first of all magnums a lot of wine it is it's,
0: it's so if on. I've got a magnum
1: the idea of going bringing it to a restaurant where I'm gonna have dinner with twelve people is much better than me drinking it with my wife at home over the course of twelve days which is how long it would take us to finish a magnum so twelve days I, I, yeah, yeah, maybe eleven, so for me. Maybe yeah, 11. Yeah. but so the concept is great and I have no problem if I come in with a magnum the fact that they have have to pull the cork and pour that. Pouring a magnum is work. It's a, it's, 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 it's a bigger opening, a bigger, bigger and bottle. I've,
0: I've also been in places where they have not charged us more for the right. magnum. So, but, but I'm the, perfectly but expect uh, that's perfectly right. fair, perfectly right. fair. Right. So, and then one of their guidelines, and you were starting to go in this direction, and I think this is something. This is really considered generally a civil thing to do, especially if you have any idea, which is don't bring a wine on the wine list. If you right. can help it, don't bring a wine that's on their wine well, list. Y- y- it y- does feel y- a little bit like an insult to them.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, um, I did it. I did it once years ago. Oh, Paul. I, I was hosting a party, and I, we represented a really lovely and rare kind of champagne. And I brought a bottle of that to open up. And it there's a funny punchline to this story, Rick, because I think I actually brought two bottles of this to the restaurant. And I brought two bottles to the restaurant, and I had put one of my employees in charge of sort of ordering as we go on. If we need more wine, you just keep an eye. Well— she saw that this wine was on the list, and she ordered two more bottles because she thought I'd started by ordering it off the list. So the restaurant had no complaint that I was ordering yeah, a couple of these bottles at, well, there's at your stratospheric prices yeah. off the list. And, of course, I didn't. I, it was such a rare bottle, it didn't occur to me that they would actually have it on the list. Yeah. So, And that's the thing. Uh, and so now Paul and I disagree a little bit
0: on this um, about what, what would be considered okay to bring in. So you go first.
1: Well— I don't think it's okay to bring in a wine that's already on the list. and I, I prefer that you don't either, but go ahead. And, and, and it's simple enough to simply, you know, if you have a very special wine, a wine that you're bringing along for sentimental reasons, whether it's a $9 rosé from France or something else, all you have to do is say, listen, my wife and I, we got engaged to this bottle. Do you have it on your list? No. Well, in that case, I'd love to bring a bottle, and I'm happy to pay corkage on it. It's different to show up with a bottle that you bought at the local supermarket. You walk in, you put it on the table and say, it's $7. I got it at the supermarket and I want to drink this instead of ordering anything off your wine list. I don't think that's fair to the restaurant. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'm
0: going to disagree a bit. So first off, we think, of course, anybody listening to us is a civil educated person and would certainly uh, understand how to you know, with be a nice
1: person. very – Little to do and an enormous amount of time. <clears throat> I on was going to say a, 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 a
0: tremendous <laughs> amount of patience, but uh, so not you know if if you have the time and it, you can think about it to call a restaurant and ask. Certainly, if if you suspect they might have it, that's a it's a really nice move. It's a nice move. Having said that, I disagree a bit, and I think that for regular people, especially for people that don't spend a lot of time thinking about wine. They sh- there shouldn't be any, any rules on how to drink wine. If they want to buy something cheap and bring it to the restaurant and pour with soda in it and drink it with a straw, go for it. You're drinking wine. I'm fine with that. And the restaurant wants to charge them whenever the corkage is, hmm. charge them the corkage and let it go. But I, So I don't, I, don't want, I don't want there to be too many rules. So mm-hmm. I, I disagree with you some on that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, having mm-hmm. said that, Judy also asked our thoughts on beer corkage. And you and I have talked about this in the past. It's coming. I mean, some places of do it, is. it, and it's not For just the same coming. reasons. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. For the same reasons. In
0: some ways, even more so. And and um, in, and in, you know, those are big bottles. So you know, Some of them. yeah, I mean, ah. often, right? Some people yeah, bring yeah. bottles of beer, and yeah. and a lot of restaurants actually charge less for the beer corkage, right? Which I'm not so sure that that's. I'm actually now at the restaurant, you know, you know, same thing. Hmm. Maybe if it's if you're bringing a 12 ounce beer, it's one thing,
1: but um right, bring in a six pack, yeah, yeah, bring yeah. in a six pack yeah. and say that's what you want to drink. And again, first of all, if you're gonna bring something that is commonly available in the local supermarket, you. In my opinion, you need a good story to go along with this. You need a reason to bring in that wine. Otherwise, just pick – they've spent a lot of time picking the wines on their list. They've spent a lot of time matching those wines with those foods and all the rest. I just don't think it's fair to walk in there and say, well, I just brought this because mm-hmm. it's cheap, and we're going to drink this with whatever you happen to serve in your restaurant. Not going to go for that one. Me, I'm all for cheap. No, you're, you're, not really. <laughs> Right, So that
0: was, but uh, that is uh, one thing, one m- way to maybe save yourself a phone call. Though is you might want to check at corkageonline.com. That's
1: right, yep. and she can tell you where you can do it and what their policy right. is. Yep. So,
0: so that was a question. But we have a couple more. Good. The, uh, one of our questions we, uh, by the way,
1: uh, you can you can uh, if
0: you ask us the right question. If you've been listening to us over the last few weeks, we've actually gotten so many good questions that they become the, like the focus of the show. Uh, and then, of course, we just lose we lose those people as friends because once they hear more from us, they get disgusted. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so, but if you'd like to ask us a question, there is all those social outlets: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our handle: Rick and Paul Wine. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on our website: RickPaulWine.com. And you know, who knows? Just if you skywrite us a question, we'll figure it out. Uh, this is from our good friend David Hummeyer in Budapest. In he's, Budapest. In Budapest. Yes, Hungary. Yeah, Hungary. Yep. As,
1: lovely, lovely, lovely city.
0: Yes, and uh, and 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 here's here's a man who knows how to use the internet because uh, he's listening to us online, apparently. Yes. Uh, well, as is everybody. <laughs> okay. He asked this on our Facebook. <laughs> no. You know, nobody's listening well, to those us. few of you. <laughs> the
1: people who are. Yeah,
0: are doing it online. Not our wives. I was going to say. <laughs> our, but not no. Never. Um. And he. So he. This was from our Facebook. He says, what do you think about blue wines? And one of them, I actually Aunt will say this because they're not going to say us, is get blue wine. He says, um, what about that? Because they, they're one of the stars. It's kind of a thing, this is David, isn't yeah. it? So, let me, quick, GIC actually sort of kicked off this thing, uh, this mm-hmm, notion. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, was, their wines wines, like, like the color of a neon swimming pool. Yeah. Um, and it was developed. Well,
1: neon is red, so it's the color of a, b- well, a bright swimming pool.
0: Well, neon, neon light uh, swimming yeah. pools. Uh, in any case, um, it was developed by a group of students at the University of the Basque Country. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And they're now selling up to about 40,000 cases a year, a lot of it, most of it in the United States. And it starts as a white wine. Right. Uh, uh, others make them now. Yep. Chardonnay is very pretty common. Some use yep. Moscato. Um, they run them through. The wine gets made. Then runs through some skins. Contact. Sometimes there's other stuff yep. going on. Gik. This is Gik. They say that their colors are a combination of a pigment being filtered through red wine and technology. That's
1: what technology. Yes.
0: Exactly. They're often pretty sweet. A little bit Christmas, There's some acidity yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, there's syrup, a blue bubbly that's for sale in yeah. the U.S.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I have seen both green wine and green beer for St. Patrick's Day. Um, you know, I look at all of this stuff and I think, okay, if you're going to be deadly serious about wine— uh, all of this strikes you as being a really bad idea. But if you go back to what the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans did with their wines, the Romans added all sorts of stuff Well, they to had wine. to because the wine tasted terrible. Well, not all of it. And, but the point is they had fun with wine. Yeah. And you want to have fun with wine? Have fun with right. wine. Now, if the, if the prime minister of France is going to be at your house for dinner, I wouldn't lead with the blue wine unless you could pour in order, the white, the red, and the, the blue, the white, and the red, and then you'd have the French <laughs> the French flag there on the table. Now there, we're talking. There we have it. Yes. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. And it's, look, this is a, as a, a little bit of a, a diversion there, Dave, but th- this is why we dislike so much of the chatter around natural, natural wine. It's not yeah. that natural wine is, is a good or bad thing if you happen to like it or dislike it. It's that everybody else is wrong. Yeah, yeah, This has to be our way, right? <laughs> right. And make natural wine, make it unnatural. I don't care right. if you bring it in, mix it with Coke, and put a straw in it, right? It's the right. same thing. Just,
1: yeah, it's enjoy wine. the wine. Enjoy it. And now, having said that, one of the reasons I'm sure David is asking this question is David lives in a land that makes some of the most amazing white wines in the world from the ferment grape. Yeah. And he makes the king of wines and the wine of kings. Yeah. Took ISU. yeah so I can imagine. Well, if he's drinking those, someone offers him a glass of blue wine, he's gonna say, "You know, I think I'm gonna stick with the local product here in Hungary." Yeah, it's fun. It's sweet. It's you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, think of it as like a, like a cocktail. You exactly know, right. Yeah. You know, exactly but, um, right. Why not? Yeah.
0: Why not? Really, that's our answer. That, that's the the <laughs> short <laughs> short <laughs> answer is <laughs> eh. Why, why, why not? not? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> the next one is a little closer to home. This is from Shelley and Davis. She says, "You guys talked about wine in the fridge a few weeks back." So how long can a wine stay in the fridge? And can I store reds in there if I don't have a wine refrigerator? Well,
1: most domestic, normal refrigerators have too much vibration to be a good place to store wine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a little cabin in the mountains, and we have a very old refrigerator up there. And every time it starts, it pretty much sounds like a diesel truck in there. And I'm always glad. Well, I'm glad we don't store any wine in there because it just seems like they're rattling and clanking along in there. Which does mean it can't hang out in there for a few days Two or days, even a week or so. Two days, You're no, big... not a place to store it. Yeah. Not a place yeah. to store it, a place to chill it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But,
0: you know, so yeah. so think of it as if it's, if it's in there for
1: more than a few days, it's probably not the best. Right. You were better off having it be a nice, steady 70 degrees in the bottom of your closet than having it in a fridge at... 38 degrees or 42 degrees, and getting it vibrated and rattled around in there.
0: Yeah, and so by that token, then, you wouldn't want to store reds in there because it's not,
1: not doing a whole lot of good over just a couple of days. And then, of course, you got the problem that when you really want to drink it, you got to wait for a while because it's— oh, I just stick it in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure you take that metal capsule yeah. off oh. first, my friend. That would explain the sparks. <laughs> okay. That would give wines a whole new sense of minerality. All right. Well, speaking
0: of sparks on <laughs> Valentine's Day, I'm sure we've created a few. Um, you've been listening to bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, I'm saying. There's more, much more of us to come. In fact, what's coming up next is our Wayback Machine because we are going to have some Valentine's Day historic history. Those guys, I'm telling you, Paul...
1: We it, should have more. We should pa- have more on. We're paying them enough. We're paying them enough. No, you, we you ought to think, have them do more for the Guys
0: show. that retain a contract. All right, we're, we're, gonna do, <coughs> go, we're going to we're going the recording studio next week. Uh, <laughs> our, our agent, we'll call your agent <laughs> as soon as we get an agent. As soon as
1: we get an agent. Yeah, yeah, agent. An agent. Right. So some, right. we have some Valentine's Day history, uh, not really related to wine, but what the heck, you know? Yeah. know yeah. Yeah. Paul. Well, I'm going to start with St. Valentine himself because he was... Uh, He was an old uh, uh, Christian uh, priest in the Roman times, and there was a little bit of a problem. Uh, Emperor Claudius was having some issues because he wanted the young man in Rome to sign up for the army because he needed more people in the army, and yet Roman law had a provision that if you were married, you could no longer be asked to perform military service. And so Claudius passed a law prohibiting any young man from getting married. And that may have seemed like a good idea to some young men, but for other young men, they were romantic. They wanted to marry their sweetheart. And Valentine was just a guy to do the job. And so even though it was prohibited, he continued to marry people and allow them to escape their military service and spend the rest of their lives with their sweethearts. And for this, he was martyred in really, truly horrible ways. But it's the reason we celebrate St. Valentine's Day, because he was a man who believed— in love. Yeah,
0: yeah, there you go. Uh
1: mine mine's uh, just uh, a tad a tad closer to home uh,
0: and time-wise this is uh, in the 5th century. Okay. Um Pope Gelasius, uh, he Pope Gelasius declared February 14th St. Valentine's Day. It was really another 1000 years or so before it got its like uh, m- romance and love associations, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the reason why at least is the argument that they did that was they were trying to put a spin, really, on a—put uh, it in the middle of uh, February, I'm sorry, take some, some oomph off of a uh, pagan celebration and Christianize it a bit. Uh, Which um, is—the church did a lot of that. Yes. Um, and this, this happened on the eyes of Feu- February, eyes, of course, of the 15th. Yep, um, And it was a fertility festival de- de- dedicated to Faunus, a Roman god, half-hand, half-goat, he bestowed fruitfulness, fertility on crops and, and herds. And so the way this worked, well,
1: this, is, this was the festivals. <laughs> I want you to read that one more time. It's too many <laughs> apps in there. I'm not going to do it. I couldn't get through that sentence. Um, yeah, and you weren't going to let it go, were you?
0: <laughs> no, <I was> not. <laughs> yeah, was, that was a bad sentence. Uh, Point God is, bless Roman Faunus God, and his fruitfulness and fertility. Yeah, Roman God, fertility. So what he, they uh, it's, at least in some of the places, that what is supposed to work was the Roman women touched the skins from recently sacrificed. Sacrificed animals uh-huh, uh-huh. supposed to make them More fertile in the coming year And later in the day In some of the towns It was like All the young women Would put their names In a big urn And the city's bachelors Would choose a name And they became paired For the year It was like It was like blind dates Yes And then And then They, they really they, weren't, they didn't have to get married But often they did And then often They also went to dinner And paid a mod, modest corkage fee <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: Yeah I'm sure they I think did. they were drinking Mead or something No no not was, in Rome They weren't no, they That was weren't, wine country right, drinking, Yeah That true. was wine country All right God so, yeah. bless the uh, yeah, History, that's, that's good, uh, good, So we don't have that anymore. We don't have the skins. We don't have the—we do—the urns is, No, but when it mentioned the half man, half goat, certain people came to mind. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and now it just sounds like a dating app, so. That's right. All right. Uh,
0: well, let's go take a few more questions. If you'd like to ask us, don't forget. Of all those social places, our handle is at Rick and Paul. This is from Antonio in Moraga. He says— I read a wine magazine that talked about serving wine at the right temperature and said people should get a wine thermometer. (laughs) Really? (laughs) No. So so now I need a wine thermometer? (laughs) No, Antonio, you do not need a
1: wine thermometer. And what is the best temperature to serve wine? Okay. So So we're going with Rick's rule of 15. This is the simple answer, Antonio. You do not need a wine thermometer. All you need is Rick Cushman and 15.
0: Yep. Take your white wine, take it out of the refrigerator for 15 minutes so it's not so super cold. Take your red wine, put it in the refrigerator for a few minutes so it has just a tiny bit of chill. And either way, you're good to go. You're good. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the red part is, you know, when you talk about room temperature, it's really not our, our 72 degree houses. It's right. It's the old it's, Roman
1: halls of the French chateaus and, and the English manor homes you know. that were 60, 65 degrees. Right. Perfect for red wine. Put it in the fridge for 10 to 15 minutes. It'll be the perfect temperature. Yeah. White wines, you want a little colder. If you put it in the fridge an hour beforehand, pull it out a few minutes before you're going to serve it, it'll start warming up. Every time someone talks temperature, about temperature, I always remember my wife worked at a Michelin star rated restaurant in France for a while, and she told the story. They used to have they had a wine cellar underneath the restaurant in in the Champagne region, so it was darn cold underneath the restaurant. They brought these bottles out, and they were, you know, they were forty degrees, and they were very carefully put on top of the oven mm. while they cooked. L- Cooked the dinner or lunch for the customer, and 10, 15 minutes later, one of the waiters would come by, feel the bottle, say, eh, good enough. Yeah. And one, one
0: actually, one uh, exception to the, to all those rules, speaking of champagne, is you want your bubbly as refrigerator cold.
1: Yes. Yeah. But not freezer cold. No. Do not put a bottle of bubbly in the freezer. That
0: is what we call a bomb. Um, yeah. <laughs> Quite but, literally. You know, your refrigerator should be like at 37 degrees, and that's totally fine for, for Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, and if yep. you go to a restaurant, and they ask you if you want a ice bucket, always for the bubbly, really not needed for anything else, unless your red is too warm. Unless the red is too warm. Right. Okay. Yep. Our next one is from Daryl in Paso Robles. And he said, And this is an interesting story, Daryl Head." So um, he says, we went to our restaurant's bar, and they were featuring a pinot on tap that we like, and it was pretty cheap. When we ordered, the very nice bartender said they just ran out and suggested another pinot that was slightly more expensive. Should she have offered it to us for the same price as the special? Yes. I was exactly right. <laughs> you know, I, I would tell you what, I, you know, as a guy who taught restaurant service for a while, yeah. and I exactly, absolutely. That's a no brainer. No brainer. That's right? a no brainer. Yeah.
1: You made an offer, you let them taste the wine, you they liked well, it. Well,
0: she didn't have it to taste, but they just knew that it was a the wine they liked.
1: Yeah. Because they were out. But yeah, if yeah. you have a special, and you run out, and you
0: run out, it's one thing to just say we ran out of the Pinot, it's another thing to say this is a happy hour wine. We're selling to you for five dollars a glass, right? And you don't have it anymore, right? You you got it.
1: You got to honor the yeah. honor the contract.
0: Yeah. So you asked a good question. And the answer is yes. Well, I don't know if we honored our contract with our listeners here, Paul. Well, they asked a uh, good question. They did. Um, we didn't give them all that great an an- set <laughs> answers, but the, uh, yes, we, okay, we did. The, we gave that. Yes. We gave Daryl. Yes. I say in general the um, the. Questions are better than the answers. (laughs) Okay. But that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Happy Valentine's Day. Our producer is the lovely and romantic Devin Corton. Thank you, Devin. Our associate producer is Jerry Marin. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio. Houston for including us on their podcast lineup. Recommended podcast. Absolutely. Go to our social. Ask us a question at... Rick and Paul Wine and remember one more time we're going to say this anyway come join us at Vancouver National Wine Festival February 23rd to March 3rd vanwine. vanwinefest.ca .ca, .ca. Just, just google it yep and if you learned anything today we hope it's that corkage is actually a good thing and it's definitely not a rip off as long as it's not too huge.
1: And then it is a ripoff. Yeah, but so there you
0: go. All right, well, that's uh, that's kind of what we've been called, actually. <laughs> <I hope laughs> and you didn't, we're free. I hope you didn't pay for us. I'm Rick Cushman. <laughs> I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us.